What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling Innovations Podcast here. Welcome to episode 93 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you here with me on this Wednesday afternoon. And I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly appreciate it. Today, of course, is Wednesday. The go-home shows for SmackDown and Raw have completed. And now we can officially make our predictions for both SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver Toronto. We're going to get started with the SummerSlam preview and predictions because honestly, I just want to get this bullshit out of the way so we can talk about the real show. The real party of the summer that is going to be going down Saturday night. That was NXT TakeOver Toronto. SummerSlam should be renamed Summer Scam. The biggest fraud of the summer. To quote JD from NY206. If you had any hope that this show was going to be anything... That felt like a big four pay-per-view. You can take that wisdom, that lovely rhetoric, and throw it right out the fucking window, never to be seen again. I am honestly, and I'm using to use a really big word here, flabbergasted. That these last four weeks of build to SummerSlam this coming Sunday has been nothing short of a failure. When you're looking at the card right now, they barely got by this bit. Looking up and down the card right now, of the 10 matches that we know of at this very moment, Sands the Roman Reigns bullshit, and Buddy Murphy apparently dry snitching. This card looks honestly terrible. This may be the one show I, I would all year. I wouldn't even say WrestleMania had more hype than SummerSlam, and I consider that a failure as well. That's not to say WWE can't pull it, grab it out of their fucking hat, and make a magic trick appear. That's not to say they can't make an event out of SummerSlam be better than people actually expect. They did it with stomping grounds a couple months ago. And I was shocked that they actually did better than I actually thought. But SummerSlam is a big four pay-per-view. Meaning WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and my personal favorite big four pay-per-view, the Royal Rumble. This does not feel like a big four pay-per-view. This feels like a B-level pay-per-view we're going into in, no, in, in December. I hope this show fails. And I don't think I've ever said that truly about a pay-per-view, flat out. I've said plenty of times that this show has been terrible, the build has been terrible, and I know it's, we're going to get a bad show. But I've never felt like hoping a show would fail just to prove me right. 
I want them to prove me wrong. I actually want a good show. Y'all know this. The one thing I hate nothing more in this entire world is to be proven right. WWE has made my case for me pretty much a majority of the year. And honestly, right now, when I'm thinking about my top 10 for 2019, I still, I maybe can see one match all year. Maybe. Getting on that list. And we still have five months to go. No, I can't. I can't have four, I should say. Y'all, I am nervous. Because I have that strange feeling that WWE is going to shit the bed. Looking at this 10-match card right now that we know of, I can honestly tell you I am only excited for two. I'm only excited for 20% of the card. And I'm going to save those two matches for last. Because those are only two matches that are of anything important to WWE. So let's not have this pain last any longer than it has to. Let's look over the card and make our predictions for this Sunday's lackluster pay-per-view. Starting off for the Cruiserweight Championship, which is more than likely going to be on the kickoff show, because for no reason at all, they think this championship match deserves to be on the main card. Drew Gulak will defend the Cruiserweight title against Oni Lorkin. On the August 6th episode of 205 Live, Oni Lorkin won a six-pack challenge defeating Okiara Tozawa. Aria Davari, Gentleman Jack Gallagher, Kalisto, and Tony Nese to earn the right to face Drew Gulak for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship at SummerSlam. Only looking for months has been saying on Twitter he wants to shot the Cruiserweight Championship, and finally this Sunday, he's going to get it. I think this is the most formidable opponent so far in the championship reign of Drew Gulak. Only Lorkin, if you've watched him on NXT, is no fucking joke. That boy can go in the ring and so can Drew Gulag. So this makes for a really solid Cruiserweight Championship match this coming Sunday. I still have hope that Drew Gulag will retain the championship. I still think it's too early in his reign for him to drop it. I think Oni Lorkin is a very solid opponent for Drew. But right now, I don't think he's the guy to unseat Mr. Gulag. And become the new Cruiserweight Champion. It's just too soon for me. I think this will probably be a match of the night candidate. Somehow, some way, the Cruiserweight, Cruiserweight Championship matches have become dark horse matches for match of the night for me. And that's kind of painful to talk about, considering the fact that the rest of the main roster is decent at best. Decent. Nothing too crazy, just decent. But I think. Gulag versus Lorkin can make some heads turn and make the case once again for the Cruiserweights to be a part of the main card for Big Four pay-per-views. I have Drew Gulag retaining the championship and what I think will be a solid match to the night candidate. If Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler does not end in less than three minutes... With Goldberg defeating Dolph Ziggler, I will literally just drink the rest of my vodka. 
and just get stupidly drunk and pass out. Considering the fact that I have not drank since my uh, very good friend's wedding back in April, it may not take much to do so. I have Goldberg winning here because this is just a glorified squash match for Goldberg to somehow get rid of the taste of Goldberg versus Undertaker and Super Letdown out of his mouth. That will never go away. That is in WWE lore for the rest of our lives. I don't understand the logic with Goldberg even being involved in this in this card. I don't get it. Why is Goldberg on this card? Like, seriously. Why is this match even on the fucking card? Why? No, there's no storyline behind it. All Dolph Ziggler did was just talk shit on promos. The match they should have had was Dolph Ziggler versus Shawn Michaels. Honestly, be real with yourself. Ziggler versus Michaels would have been a marquee matchup that people would have actually been talking about. That people on Twitter that I seen was hoping for. Dolph Ziggler versus The Miz was a red herring. I knew it. And then Goldberg came out this past Monday, signed the contract, and said, Dolph Ziggler, you're next. This match should be over in less than five minutes. I'm giving it less than three. Spear, talk to the crowd, jackhammer, one, two, three. That's how this match should go. I will laugh my ass off the entire way. Dolph Ziggler deserves nothing because they have given Dolph Ziggler nothing. If you're hoping this match is going to be a five-star classic, you better kick rocks right now. Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Now, if you told me that this actually had some build and actually had a good storyline behind it, I would have considered this a match of the night candidate without question. We've been waiting for Bray Wyatt to return to the WWE for months. The Firefly Funhouse has been one of the more intriguing things about Raw and SmackDown the past few months. A couple weeks ago, Bray Wyatt finally returned to WWE and attacked Finn Balor. Soon after that, we found out Finn Balor was going to take two months off from everything. He's going to take a two-month vacation, recharge the batteries, chill, and get back to it before Survivor Series. Perfectly fine. Busting your ass for a long while now, Finn. You deserve the rest. But this makes it very easy for me to pick Bray Wyatt. I would not be surprised if Finn Balor did not come out as the demon. Because they haven't hyped Finn Balor up as anything 
but they haven't shown anything in terms of the demon. He's never made reference to it. He hasn't done anything with it. And that's the strange part to me. Because I love... I, I mean, this could have been... They did this before. I believe it was like last year. They easily fail in the, you know, strategic aspect of trying to book this matchup. This match was literally gold. The whole Sister Abigail deal. Who was going to be Sister Abigail? We were, we were thinking Paige. We were thinking Alexa Bliss. We were thinking this, that, and the third. Uh, what? What, Marley? The girl. And that was your Marley obligatory moment of the show. When this first happened, and then we saw who Sister Abigail was, when she pretty much was just Bray Wyatt using a voice decoder, voice coder, to sound female, and the match itself was pretty lackluster, and it didn't come across very well. And this matchup. Now that they meet again, a lot of people from the beginning had thought Balor was going to beat Wyatt and get back the victory. Actually, no, I think. No, the demon, demon beat Bray. So this is just the way for Bray to be the first man to defeat the demon, supposedly. If that. I don't think that's going to I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think the demon's gonna come out. I don't. Th I think Finn Balor's gonna be a regular Finn Balor, come out to the ring, get beat, and take his vacation. But it sucks because they they could have had time for to build this, and that's the big problem with WWE. They don't let shit breathe. We've been waiting for Bray Wyatt for months to come out and attack somebody, and just as an easy cop out, an easy out. They have him attack Finn Balor. A lot of people wanted Aleister Black to be the one he went after. I think that's too soon. I would love to see that matchup happen, but right now, I don't think it's needed just yet. I'm picking Bray Wyatt to beat Balor. I hope it's a better match than I think it's going to be. Because both guys can go. Both guys can really show their stuff in the ring. They can kick ass. I, I really do. I really want this match to be solid. A solid way for Balor to go out for, before he goes on vacation. Because there's no way Balor's going to win, knowing that we know he's going to be gone for two months. Just how it goes. AJ Styles versus Ricochet. AJ Styles versus fucking Ricochet. I don't know why we're doing this match again. I don't even know why AJ Styles is the United States champion. Now I'm being truthfully honest with y'all. AJ Styles is the main event player. And if I were booking the main the Universal Championship right now, AJ Styles would be in the main event at SummerSlam. 
I said this money in the bank, and I've said this for many months now. Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles was too soon. And look at what we have as at the top of the card. If I were booking SummerSlam right now, if they gave me the if they gave me a Google amount of money and said book a SummerSlam, help us book SummerSlam, it was it would have been super fucking easy. Because I would have had a triple threat match for the Universal Championship between Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, and Samoa Joe. That was the easiest. That would be the easiest call to make, and have Samoa Joe become the new Universal Champion, and then have him have a dominant reign all the way to WrestleMania. Not only to show the fans that Samoa Joe, when at the top of his game, can be the best in the company, but that we actually believe in Samoa Joe. That's what I would have done for the Universal Championship. That's what I would have done with AJ Styles. Not have him on the mid card of a big four fucking pay-per-view defending the U.S. Championship against the man we've already seen him face three fucking times. No, four. When Ricochet won that gauntlet match to become the number one contender for the United States Championship, it was so fucking predictable. So predictable. I didn't even watch the Raw that night. And I knew Ricochet was going to win that number one contender spot. Why? Because they because they never pushed anyone else. They went back to the well. Hell, if AJ Styles Ricochet was actually decent for the first three, four times, why not have him do it again one more time at SummerSlam? This is literally the pattern for WWE. Rematches. Rematches. Okay, maybe one or two. But still, look at Brock Lesnar for Seth Rollins. We've seen that already this year. That happened already. New stuff. I need new shit. Now, if this were a first-time matchup, if it were AJ Styles as the United States Champion, going up against the young upstart in Ricochet for the first time ever, I would have easily picked Ricochet to win the United States Championship at a big four show. But me personally, I'm picking AJ Styles. The OC is the thing right now. Gallows and Anderson's re- re-upped on their deals for five years. I see no reason why the club should lose any belts right now. And it sucks for Ricochet because he honestly should be right now as United States Champion. And he should be defending the championship against a guy like Rey Mysterio. In a ladder match. And what could have been a barn burner of a match at SummerSlam. I don't fucking get it. I honestly don't fucking get it. I really don't. I hope after this, this feud ends. And Ricochet and AJ Styles go their separate ways and start doing something new. Because that's what's needed right now for WWE. This next match really makes me want to bop. 
if nothing more, that one person should have never been involved in being on any card of any pay-per-view in 2019. Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. If Owens loses, he will be forced to quit the WWE. There have been reports that fans have pretty much shit all over Shane McMahon and want him off their TVs. He is get off my TV worthy, to quote JD and vice versa. He has been holding on to that best in the world gimmick since last year. Holding on to it by a fucking thread. To that last bit of grip on the fucking ledge before he falls off it and crashes into the canyons. I'm picking Kevin Owens to win. Because there's no reason for Shane McMahon to beat Kevin Owens. At all. No reason. This should be Shane McMahon's last hurrah on television. It should be the last time we should see him forever. And Shane McMahon goes away. Into the darkness. Staying backstage. Doing what he's supposed to do. As an authority figure for the WWE. He should be nowhere on our TVs. Except in an authoritative role. That's it. This gimmick is dead. This best in the world shit is dead. This needs to be completed. McMahon should lose. Owen should win. And we are done with Shane. For good. I hate the fact that Shane McMahon's been on my TV screen for months. I hate it. Because he adds no value to the roster. Nothing. Kevin Owens should not even be involved. This shouldn't even be a match. Kevin Owens, for all intents and purposes, is a main eventer. He should be waiting in the wings for a WWE Championship side, but he already had his chance at Money in the Bank. It's, it's disgusting to see that Shane McMahon somehow holds weight in terms of of the main roster. This needs to be stopped. This needs to end. And it ends at SummerSlam this Sunday. Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair. If you were seeing my tweets last night while watching SmackDown Live and my Instagram videos on my page, you'll know that I stated while Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair is a marquee matchup, this does not have the feeling of a marquee matchup at a big four pay-per-view. For the simple fact that this only came about for two weeks build. Two weeks build. If they gave it another two weeks and actually let it breathe and actually just didn't look like it was thrown together, To be truthfully honest, I would actually be more hyped for this matchup. I'm not. This is a thrown together matchup to get Charlotte on the card. Nothing more, nothing less. Because God forbid, we don't have Charlotte Flair on the fucking card. Because she's not fighting for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I could, I, I want to care for this match. I really do. I want to. 
but I don't care as much as I should. Because they only did it did, did this bill for two weeks. You had Trish Stratus come out, come out on the King's Court, gets interrupted by Charlotte, challenges Stratus to a match, and then we get the comments from Flair, Stratus accepts the challenge, and we get the match at WrestleMania because it's in our hometown, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. You may wonder who I am picking to win this match. Intriguing, isn't it? Charlotte says she wants to be the queen, the most dominant woman of any era in WWE history. And I believe that she's going to win. I believe WWE is going to book Charlotte Flair to make Trish Stratus tap. And I'm surprised I'm even saying that. I hope this match is better than I expect. Off a two weeks build, you can't really do much. You really can't. It's hard to book a solid match in two weeks time. But I think Drew Stratus and Charlotte Flair can make the best out of the situation. I really do think that. I hope this match becomes a match of the night candidate. I hope this match actually comes across better than we all expect. Because you have a legend in Trish Stratus, seven-time women's champion. Charlotte Flair, a nine-time, I don't know how we got to that number, women's champion. This match should, honestly, this match would be more suited for a WrestleMania. To be truthfully honest with you. Some would say Charlotte doesn't deserve this match, and that Sasha Banks should be the one to face Trish Stratus based off of their Royal Rumble moment alone. You wouldn't be wrong there in my eyes. I hope this match comes across better than expected. I really do. And I'm giving Trish the loss. I think she is going to lose to Charlotte Flair in her hometown of Toronto. So Trish can get Charlotte over. Then more than likely, Trish... Actually, no, not Trish. Charlotte will probably get her shot at the winner of the SmackDown Women's Championship. Where are we at here? Pretty much got the whole first half Becky Lynch versus Natalia in a submission match for the Raw Women's Championship I do not care for this match at all and I'm going to tell you why let's go back to the fatal four away elimination match to determine the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship you had Alexa Bliss you had Carmella, you had Naomi, and you had Natty. In my mind, Carmella should have never been there because she's a SmackDown Live superstar. Alexa Bliss just came off a loss at Extreme Rules in a 2-1-1 handicap match for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. Natty hadn't been featured on TV in months. And neither was Naomi. So if anything, they should have really given Becky Lynch the night off. They really should have just given Becky Lynch the night off and said, you know what? We really don't have anyone for you. We haven't really pushed anyone in the women's division on Raw because we have depleted the entire division on Raw 
and sent them all over to SmackDown Live because reasons. There's honestly no woman on that roster right now, maybe outside of Ruby Riot, whenever she comes comes back from injury, was even worthy of facing Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's title. I stated that after the superstar Shanka, that we were going to be like, Raw got the fuck end of the deal when it came to the women's division. They got the shit end of the stick when it came to the women's division. And it's now reeling its ugly fucking head. Natty gets a glorified home game in Canada. And I don't think she's going to win at all. I think she is tapping the Becky. She's going to tap the disarmor. She's going to lose her shot. And then she's going to go right back to obscurity in the back of the line. And back to catering. That's the honest truth. Especially with Becky Lynch now on the 2K20 cover. Do you honestly believe that Becky Lynch is losing that Raw Women's Championship? What a bad business decision on WWE's part to have Becky drop the title to Natalya right after they just made her a cover star for 2K20. That alone should let you know Becky Lynch retains the championship. Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins for the WWE Universal Championship. I honestly have the hope for this match. <laughs> I don't have a hope for a lot of these matches, but honestly, this is the one match where this is the one match on the card to be truthfully honest with y'all, and I'm being really brutally honest. Y'all know how I keep it funky. That I hope Seth Rollins gets destroyed. I really do. I hope they go. They harken back to 2016, John Cena versus Brock Lesnar for the World Heavyweight Championship. Y'all know that match as well as I do. And if you haven't watched that match, go back and watch that match. That was probably literally one of my favorite Brock Lesnar matches of all time. Minus the one with The Rock that he had at SummerSlam. Minus the match that he's had with Eddie Guerrero at No Way Out. That was a great match. Minus the matches he's had with The Big Show with the moment where he suplexed him off the top rope. And the matches he's had with Kurt Angle. That was probably one of my favorite matches of Brock Lesnar's ever. Why? Dominance. We know at WrestleMania 35, Seth Rollins defeated Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Lesnar disappeared from television for several weeks before re-emerging at Money in the Bank as an unannounced entrant in the namesake ladder match and won, granting him a match for a world championship of his choice at any time within the next year. After teasing some cash-ins, Lesnar finally cashed in his Money in the Bay contract at Extreme Rules and won back the Universal Championship right after Rollins had just retained the championship over Baron Corbin. And that god-awful Extreme Rules mixed tag team match. The following night's Raw, Rollins won a cross-brand 10-man battle royal to earn a rematch against Lesnar at SummerSlam. During Raw reunion on July 22nd, Lesnar's advocate, Paul Heyman, stated that Lesnar cashed in on Rollins because he had done the same to Lesnar back at WrestleMania 31. At least there was actually some storyline logic there. At least there was some logic in that shit. 
But this match can honestly... Honestly, this match, like I said, the same way John Cena got that smoke from Brock Lesnar three years ago, that's the same way Seth Rollins to take his L. There have been some... There's some things on Twitter I've seen from people tweeting out, and I agree with it. Seth Rollins should go away for a while and come back as a heel. Jaded. Hurt. Pissed off by the fact that Lesnar literally broke him. Took him to the woodshed and gave him an ass-whooping of a lifetime. And now he feels some type of way. I hope that happens. I hope Seth Rollins gets the beating of a lifetime. Because that's how this match should come across. Seth Rollins should not be winning the Universal Championship, especially after the last couple of weeks of his fucking promos. He has looked nothing more than a bitch. The shit he said on social media makes him look like a bitch. And I don't care if he, I don't care if he ever hears this or not. They have been booking Seth Rollins like a fucking failure. I get it. Seth Rollins is one of your top guys in the company. And he should be booked like one. He should have. Ne- Brock Lesnar should have never won Money in the Bank. Brock Lesnar should never have won the Universal Championship back, at all. You know it, and I know it. Because I, I already told you how I would have booked it. Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe for the Universal Championship. Samoa Joe's wins finally his first Universal Championship and goes on to dominate until WrestleMania 36. That's what I hope WWE will do. Put us out of our misery. Let Brock Lesnar retain the championship because we know he's going to be the big name that Fox wants on their programming. Come October, you know this. I know this. The reports have stated it. They want Lesnar on Fox because he's an MMA guy. Fucking makes me sick. Now on to the actual matches I actually give a fuck about. Bailey versus Ember Moon for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I like this matchup. Why? It's actually a fresh matchup we've never seen before. This is a matchup that intrigues a lot of people. Given the fact that Bailey actually chose Ember Moon as her opponent. That they've traded finishing moves. That Bailey has been hit with the eclipse. That Ember has been taking has taken the uh Bailey to Belly. This match really intrigues me. And this is probably the hardest one to pick. I'm being dead awesome with y'all. This is the hardest one I have to pick of the card. I still, to think about it, it is too soon for Bailey to lose the championship. I do. I really think it's too soon for Bailey to lose the title. But again, Shit works in mysterious ways. And Vince McMahon could honestly think Ember Moon could be a big fucking deal. I honestly do. I've mulled the match over in my head a million times. And then a million more times after that. The last two weeks I've been really mulling it over. Thinking, should Ember Moon win the championship? Should Bailey retain and move on? 
Would it be Bailey Charlotte? Would Charlotte want to go after Ember? You know, will anyone else in the division step up? And after much very careful thought, I think we're going to have a new champion after Sunday night. I am picking Ember Moon to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. I think right now, Ember could be a very, very hot hand for the company. I think Ember is exciting. I think Ember, if you really want to push her as a top female in the brand, especially heading into SmackDown's new fall schedule on Friday nights, I think Ember Moon can shine bright. I know Fox probably wants to have Bailey. Hell, they may even want Charlotte. But I think this match is going to be a lot better than people anticipate. These two can go. Ember, if you've seen every match in NXT history, almost, you know Bailey can get down. Bailey and Ember Moon have gotten down in NXT. Bailey has gotten down on the main roster. Ember has had her some of her best work in NXT. And I think she can have some of her best work with Bailey this Sunday. I think when all is said and done, I think Ember Moon is going to take the championship away from Bailey. Because trust me, even my gut is telling them we don't do it. But I think I have that strange feeling that they're going to give the title to Ember Moon. And for the only reason I'm picking Ember Moon is because they, they may do that transitional championship bullshit. They may have Ember have her moment, and then she, they give it to Charlotte before they get to October. That's, that's my weird thought right there. And last, but certainly not least, what I believe honestly should truly main event SummerSlam on Sunday night. Kofi Kingston defending the WWE Championship against Randy Orton. I really do think this should main event SummerSlam. This match has so much history behind it. So much history dating back all the way to 2009. The promo that they cut against each other after Randy Orton was named as the as the opponent for WWE Champion Kofi Kingston was fantastic. Kofi Kingston felt that Randy Orton kept him down from being a main event player. Randy replied, "Yes, I did, but it was for your own good. You weren't ready." This match has had so much history in the past six months alone. Kingston finally exercising his demons and defeating Randy Orton to eliminate him from Elimination Chamber. Kingston then becomes WWE Champion. This match, if you didn't honestly recognize, if you didn't really, if you really thought Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston wasn't going to happen, you hadn't been following the pattern well enough. I knew this match was going to happen the second Orton got eliminated from that Elimination Chamber. This match had to happen, whether it was for the title or not. Too much history in this matchup. Kofi wants to prove he can be be he can beat Randy Orton. Randy Orton wants to prove that, pretty much, you know, I was keeping you down for your own good, and now when I beat you on Sunday, all will be all will be said and done. I'm better than you. But who do I choose to win? I think about. I don't think about Fox in this matchup. I really don't. Because Fox was the first factor I had. When I, when I do predictions 
for some of y'all who don't know, who have never heard of me do a prediction show before, I think of it, I try to think of as many factors as possible. The first thought I did have was who would Fox want to have as their champion going into the, the new schedule come October? And then I threw that out the window. I really did. And then I thought, honestly thinking about it, has Kofi has Kofi Kingston's run actually soured? Is it the time to have Kofi Kingston drop the, the WWE Championship to Randy Orton? My answer is yes. And that's why I'm picking Randy Orton to become the new WWE Champion. I think this match is going to be fantastic. With everything, with so much backstory behind it, there should be no reason why these two can't make that shit happen. They made magic in 2009, and they can do it again a decade later. I think this will be a solid match of the night candidate. This is the one match I am truly anticipating, and I've been anticipating since the match became official. I want this match to exceed every expectation I have. I'm being truthfully serious. I want this match to be... I, don't, I mean, I don't expect it to be a five-star match. I really don't. But if you really want to close out the show properly, you end this show with Orton versus Kingston for the title. Let them shine for 30 minutes. Let them go at it. Let Kingston give Orton everything and vice versa. But in the end, RKO out of nowhere, and he catches Kingston... And he becomes the champion. Can Kingston retain? Absolutely. You can make the case for either one to win, and I would still want to. It's one of those cases where if Kingston won, I wouldn't be mad. And if Randy Orton won, I still wouldn't be mad. But I think right now, with what we're with what's going on, I think a lot of people have soured on Kingston's reign. I haven't. I think I think for him, it's probably been the biggest moment and the best time of his career. And I will never disrespect. Kofi Kingston becoming WWE Champion because at that moment he caught lightning in a bottle and, he, and they made that storyline work. They made it work. But I think right now it's Randy's time. I think right now it's Randy's time to take the reins of the top guy in the brand and be the Randy Orton we know he can be. Yes, we know we've seen him on vacation with his boo thang. Making out on Instagram, taking RKOs from his wife, which, by the way, actually was a very solid RKO. Really dope RKO. She actually did that very well. Now he caught one from his kid, one of his kids, and now from his wife. Who's next? Who's going who's gonna to take the RKO from? I can only imagine. But I want this match to be the best match on the card. I want the, I want this to be the one of the first things I talk about when I get to the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was SummerSlam weekend. I want this to be one of the first things I talk about. The first three things I talk about was this match was fucking awesome. I hope they kill this match. I hope they absolutely kill it. I hope the crowd in Toronto enjoys this match from beginning to end. I think in the end, Randy Orton leaves Toronto with that championship over his shoulder. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was your summer scam preview and predictions. We're going to take a short break here from our sponsor, And then we're going to get ready for the real party of the summer. NXT, TakeOver Toronto, 
preview and predictions. Stick around. We'll be right back. with episode 93 of the Young Lions Perspective. Living in the Myrtle Beach area for three years, everybody was always looking forward to Sunday Fun Day. I love Sunday Fun Day, man. I have very fond memories of going with my boys to Hotel Blue, chilling out at the bar with the pool and wet t-shirt contest and girls showing their tata. I mean, wait. <laughs> Having jungle juice in the buckets, and then we go back to the spot, cool out for a few hours, get freshened up, get that, you know, three-hour freshened up. Then we get all looking fresh and clean and whatnot. Then we go to Boathouse, the concerts, man, the girls, the, the nightlife, it was lit. That's my ideal Sunday fun day. In terms of SummerSlam weekend, oh, let me rephrase that, Summer Scam weekend, Sunday Fun Day is good and all, but we all know that this weekend is always about Saturday night. And this Saturday night, we're getting NXT TakeOver Toronto. Now, looking at the card for NXT TakeOver Toronto this moment, I thought there was going to be six matches on the card for the first time ever in their NXT history. What I'm seeing here on Wikipedia, and that's what I usually go to for it, because it usually has a very definitive card, and they usually kind of give me storylines I can take notes off of and give to you guys just as like a little refresher course for what we have. They only have five. So it looks as, and I checked the WWE.com website prior to, um just to ensure that I wasn't being bamboozled. And yes, there are only five matches that are going to be going down in traditional fashion, as they always do for their takeover cards. So unfortunately, those who were anticipating a Jordan Miles Cameron Grimes NXT breakout tournament final on Saturday night may be a little bit upset. Now, I am recording this an hour and 45 minutes prior to, well, I should be saying I'm recording this segment of the show an hour and 45 minutes prior to NXT's go-home show tonight. So they may, and this is what I've been saying for a little while now, that they were going to have the tournament final tonight. And at the next of the tapings at Full Sail, have Grimes or Miles choose their opponent for which championship they want. So that may be the case. And if that is the case, then once again, I am one hell of a smart man, I swear. But we have to go with what we got. And we'll start off with Candice LeRae and Io Shirai. This matchup is a very intriguing matchup. Not only for the fact that this rivalry has been going on for almost two months. Not only because Io Shirai actually turned heel. But this has huge ramifications in what will be the pecking order for the Road to War Games 3 in November on Survivor Series weekend. Now, let's take it back a couple months, about a month or so ago. 
the night Io Shirai faced Shayna Baszler in the first ever women's steel cage match in NXT's history. A very good match, in my opinion. Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir got involved in the matchup. Candice LeRae also got involved in the matchup. Trying to fend off Duke and Shafir to stop attacking Io. Unfortunately, Baszler was crawling out of the cage. Io Sarai was trying to hold her off, hold her, keep her in the cage. Unfortunately, Shayna's momentum allowed her to get out of the cage first and retain her championship. That was where we saw the moment EO turned heel. Turning on her friend Candice LeRae. So much so, she beat her with a steel chair. And then back body dropped her onto said steel chair, breaking it in pieces. With her screaming to Candice LeRae, I don't need any friends. I don't have any friends. The next time we saw her was in full black. New Titantron, new music, new everything. Maybe take a double take. Because I love me some Shirai. And I love a woman who can rock black like a motherfucker. And she looked good in them pants. Her and Sonya Deville in those pants. I mean, I am a man after all. I do have simple taste. Good taste. But that's another story for another show. Let's get back into the wrestling. Io Shirai's first match as a true blue heel came against Casey Cananzaro. The match didn't last long at all. Candice LeRae came out to the ring and attacked Io. Which led to a disqualification victory for Io. But Candice LeRae got the better of Io that night. Suicide dived through the ropes to the outside, crashing her into the barriers. She takes out a steel chair as a bit of revenge. Io gets away. Which now leads to last week's show. Candice LeRae waiting for Io outside the building. Waiting for Io to show up so she can lay some hands on her. William Regal knew this was going to happen. And knew what Candace was up to and told her, I know what you're up to and that's why I told Eo to stay home tonight. And I suggest you go home as well. Candace LeRae asked for a match against Eo at TakeOver Toronto. To which William Regal obliged and gave her the match that we now have for this coming Saturday. This matchup is a very intriguing one. Like I said, for not only for who wins this feud. But for who, for how the pecking order may work in the women's division moving forward towards war games. With these two matches that we have on the car with the ladies, Baszler and Yim, Lorey and Shirai, whoever I choose to win one automatically makes my choice to win the other. 
Now, given that this feud has been very solid, that EO has had her time and had her chance to become NXT Women's Champion and not been able to complete the feat. And I think right now, it is truly Candice LeRae's time to become a top lady in the division. To become a top contender for the NXT Women's Championship. I really do think that. And that's why I'm picking Candice LeRae to beat Io Shirai. I think right now it's Candice LeRae's time to take her place as the next contender for the NXT Women's Championship to whoever may win it, whether it be Baszler or whether it be Yin. Oh my god, that was a bad play by the Washington Nationals there. Don't mind me, I got the Nationals uh, Giants in the background right now. I'm going to be in network all day, every day. But I think right now it's Candice LeRae's time to step up to the top spot as a top contender in the women's division. I really do think that. Maybe it's what they were looking for all along. Maybe, you know, they were waiting for this moment to have Candice, you know, build her up and have her in the right feud at the right time to have her prepare maybe to face Baszler or Yen. But I think now is the time for LeRae to step up, uh, to get to that next level. Not, that's not to say she may be the next NXT Women's Championship. Who knows what WWE NXT has in mind? I really don't know that. Neither do you. Unless you read spoilers like a dumbass and then you try to post it on Twitter because you're a fucking retard. And in which case, you get blocked from my page. But I think right now, Candice LeRae is primed and ready to become a top contender in the women's division. Which leads to the NXT Women's Championship. Shayna Baszler versus Mia Yim. I have always said that Shayna Baszler is one of my top three heels. My favorite three heels in WWE right now. With Tommaso Ciampa and Samoa Joe. I have never seen a female heel like Shayna Baszler. Brash abrasive, bully. Tells it like it is, backs it up in the ring, puts you to sleep. And then you have Mia Yim, the HBIC, the head baddie in charge. Going the strategic route, taking out her compadres, Marina Shafir and Jessica Maduke, in order to have that one-on-one matchup. Very smart booking by, w- by NXT, by the way. Very smart move. This matchup is one of the better ones that the women's division across all three, SmackDown, Raw, actually all four, to be honest, SmackDown, Raw, NXT, NXT UK, this is one of the more intriguing feuds that we have right now. If I had to put it, you know, if I had to put the four women's championship matches for UK TakeOver, NXT TakeOver, and SummerSlam, I would honestly have Baszler game at the top, and right under that would be Kaylee Ray and Tony Storm. I think there's a lot of intrigue there. I really do. This feud has been pretty damn good. The promo that they cut last week against each other was solid. Very good. Very well delivered. This made me again look like a solid threat and made Baszler just look like 
the top dog that she is. I have loved this. And I, and I have been salivating at the fact that I get to see this match on Saturday night. I say this will be the better of the women's matches all weekend. I think this will be the best women's match. This could be the best women's match all weekend. This has that possibility. This could be better than Trish and Charlotte. It really could. And given that NXT always puts on the best matches possible for a card, you know Baszler and Yim are going to pull it pull out all the stops and put it all on the line. Which leads me to this moment. I've stated for a while now that if Io Shirai cannot get the job done against Shayna Baszler, I will admit that Baszler is the best that we have in NXT right now. And I will always choose Shayna Baszler. Until she loses the Women's Championship. I have sworn by that and I have kept my promise so far. And in this matchup, it actually makes sense to have Shayna Baszler retain over Mia Yim. Now, Mia Yim is no slouch in the ring. She is damn good. By all, all across all the board, across every, you can check every box on her. But I think right now, and, and, and a lot of people, and you can make the case for Mia to become the women's champion. You really can. That's not, it's not an issue when you would have my undivided attention and listening to your argument. But I think right now, at this very moment, Loray Baszler may be the matchup that we see a new women's champion. As much as I would love to see Mia Yim become the women's champion, because I think she is pretty much right there. I think it's not her time yet. I think Baz- I think they want Baszler to be this very dominant champion and to have the true to be the true heel versus a true blue baby face in Candice LeRae. And I think that's what they're looking for. I think they see in LeRae what they saw in Johnny Gargano, her husband. That true blue baby face that you can get behind and that you can easily hate Baszler for. I think Baszler LeRae will be the matchup that we will see a new women's champion, possibly. I've said that many times before, and I've been proven wrong every single fucking time. So what the hell do I know? But what I do know is that Baszler will beat Yim this Saturday night. I know a lot I know a lot of y'all will think that, that that's a very bad pick, sir. I don't think that's the good best pick. I think Mia Yim is the best choice to become NXT women's champion. That's just the God's honest truth. It's just it, it's just an easy slam dunk that Yim's gonna win, and you could be right in saying that. But I think right now Baszler's just too good. I think Triple H knows that. I think management does know that they have something big with Baszler. I think they are waiting for that one moment for that one big pop. They are waiting for that. A lot of people thought Bianca Belair was gonna be the one to take the title off of Baszler. We all thought that. Hell, we went going back to take over War Games last year. We thought Kyrie was going to be the one to take it off Baszler, and Baszler was going to come up at, after Survivor Series. That didn't happen. We thought she was going to lose to Bianca Belair after Royal Rumble and make her way up towards the main roster for WrestleMania build. That didn't happen. We thought it was going to happen after WrestleMania weekend, and she was going to make up to her main roster 
the nights after WrestleMania. That didn't even happen. It definitely wasn't going to happen at TakeOver 25 because it wasn't a big full weekend. And then we... And then it finally became definitive after she beat Shirai again that they were going to wait a long time to have Baszler lose the championship. God's honest truth. I think... That's not to say Mia Yim's not a solid babyface, but I think right now, I think they're waiting on Loray. They're waiting to build up Baszler versus Loray at TakeOver War Games. Whether it be TakeOver War Games... Or what, or whatever. Uh, let me see if the next. Let me see if the next. Oh, let me try to see what Royal Rumble twenty twenty is. I think we're gonna look this up real quick. Yeah, there we go. Oh, three days before my birthday. Sweet. Let's see. I don't. Know, I don't know. I don't even know if they actually have it. I don't even know if they picked the city yet for twenty twenty. I don't know if they have that just yet. Here we go. Where are 2020? Where are they having it? Okay, so Houston would be holding uh, the Royal Rumble on January 26, 2020, three days before my birthday. Which is surprisingly a Wednesday. I hate Wednesdays. <laughs> so, whether it be at TakeOver War Games in November or whether they do it at TakeOver Houston. And I believe that matchup, let me see TakeOver 2019, is going to be in Chicago. And that is a grand place to have a new champion possibly be crowned. Either way, I think Baszler LeRae is the matchup they're now gunning for. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't. I, I was kind of thinking maybe it was going to be the Ray Baszler, but I think Mia Yim was the right matchup, right in the right call at the moment. But I, I, I think Baszler the Ray is going to be the matchup we're going for. I think they're going to wait until Chicago to make that match happen. So I am going with Baszler, and it actually feels right for me to pick Shayna Baszler to defeat Mia Yim and retain the NXT Women's Championship. In a matchup where I could see this literally being the match of the entire weekend. And I don't say that about big four pay-per-views often. Y'all know this. But with a match like Velveteen Dream versus Pete Dunne versus Roderick Strong for the NXT North American Championship, this Saturday night, this screams match of the weekend candidate easily too. Velveteen Dream has been a mainstay in NXT for the better part of two years. Ever since his matchup with Aleister Black, he has literally blown up. He finally got Aleister Black to say his name. And ever since then, he has been putting on match after match after feud after feud, month after month. He has been killing it. To to become literally one of the biggest names in NXT right now. It can't be denied. 
You get when you get the experience, you get the whole package from the entrance to the match to the posing at the end of the match. He has had some of the better matches of 2019. So much so he may be on a couple spots on my top 10 list. Who knows? It may happen. Roderick Strong got this chance by actually pinning the North American champion. And I believe it was an eight-man tag. It was, uh, no, it was a six-man tag. With the Undisputed Era, Tyler Breeze, and Matt Riddle. So, Roderick Strong has a solid case to be number one contender. And for some beautiful reason, NXT decided to throw a curveball and one hell of a monkey wrench in this matchup. Now, for all, uh, for like I said, for the longest time, we were all thought it was going to be Strong versus Dream. And that matchup alone would have been match of the night. Candidate, easy. Match of the weekend candidate, easy. Match of the year candidate, absolutely, if they put on a really good match. Now you add Pete Dunne, the bruiser weight, in this matchup? You have intertwining storylines out the ass. I'll explain. And I spoke about this a couple weeks ago. Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong were a tag team during the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic last year. I I believe TakeOver Chicago 2 was supposed to be that moment. Not only was the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Championship trophy on the line, but the NXT Tag Team Championships, if I'm not mistaken, were also on the line. It looked as if... Dunn and Strong were actually going to win the championship. But Roderick Strong turned on Pete Dunn, becoming the fourth member of the Undisputed Era and having the Undisputed Era, the team of O'Reilly and Cole, defend not only the Tag Team Championships, but win the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. That goes back a year. And now Pete Dunn is back in NXT. To not only fuck with Roderick Strong, but get a shot at the North American Championship. Dream and Strong have had their 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 deal since Strong pinned Dream a while back. Now there's not much between Dream and Dunn. There's not much of a story between these two. But when you have a championship that Dunn wants, that's all the storyline you pretty much need. These three guys can go. Velveteen Dream makes matches happen like it's nothing. Roderick Strong, I think he's been waiting for this moment to have a big-time match at a takeover. Pete Dunne has had a big match on a takeover. Has had a couple big matches on takeovers. One being the match he had against Tyler Bate to become the new United Kingdom, at the time, the new WWE United Kingdom champion and have one of the longest reigns in not only the title's history, but WWE history. Over 600 days of history. One of the longest title reigns in the company's history. Period, bar none. 
So this is a certified match of the weekend candidate, a certified match of the year candidate. And it's one of two on the same card. That is why NXT TakeOver Toronto is going to blow WWE Summer Scam out of the fucking water. That alone. Who wins, though? Who, re- who retains or who wins the championship? It's a very hard pick to make because triple threat matches are always the most unpredictable. With this matchup, it's a very hard one to pick because dream retaining does make sense. With the amount of you know new talent coming in, the the influx of talent they already have on the roster, that mid card is stacked. But you gotta think of who he's already gone through. He's gone through Riddle, gone through Breeze, and a bevy of others. I cannot, for some reason, for the life of me, name off the top of my head. He can make the case to retain the championship, and he'd have plenty of opponents lined up for not only Chicago, take over Houston, and WrestleMania without fail. That's easy. When you have guys like Damian Priest, Keith Lee, Killian Dane coming up, you know, Jordan Miles, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Angel Garza, Joaquin Wilde. You have a bevy of opponents lined up ready. Even uh, Dominic Dajakovic. You can line them all up. And Velveteen Dream would have no no problem giving them the experience. Pete Dunn is certified. One of the longest reign champions in the past, I'd say, five years. He's had great matches. Tyler Bate, Walter, Noam Dar, Danny Burch. He's had great matches in NXT, NXT. He makes the case to become the North American champion, but I don't think right now Pete Dunne is there to win a title. Yes, it's a really cool thing to see to have Johnny Saint and William Regal, two Brits, have an agreement to have Pete Dunne stay in NXT for a while. I like the move. Roderick Strong is the wild card in this matchup. Given the fact that we know that the NXT... The big thing in NXT right now, the biggest storyline they have at this very moment is Undisputed Era's road to having all the gold in NXT, having all the power, being the top, the true top stable on the brand. This is the night that this could all happen, where all four members of the Undisputed Era could hold gold. It can happen on Saturday night. The possibility is there. But does the night start off with Roderick Strong becoming North American champion? The answer is yes. I am picking Roderick Strong to become the new NXT North American champion. I don't think with the loss by Velveteen Dream that he is making his way up to the main roster just yet. Although I would not be surprised... If in a rematch, he loses to Strong and makes his way up to the main roster prior to 
SmackDown going over to Friday nights in October. Because we all know how bad Vince McMahon wants to have the dream up on the main roster. But we all know Vince McMahon can't book the Velveteen Dream like Triple H can book the Velveteen Dream. I think right now is the right time to pull the trigger on the road to having all four members of the Undisputed Era holding gold. Which leads you to think that I'm just going to pick all four members of the Undisputed Era to win titles. We'll get there when we get there. Street Profits versus Undisputed Era for the NXT Tag Team Championship. I think this is a solid... I, I love the word solid because this, this card is solid. Everything is solid. Every person on this card deserves to be on this match. On this fucking card. They really do. But none... No two people deserve to be on TakeOver Toronto than the Street Profits right now. I think... I've said this for a long time that the Street Profits were a team that deserved to have NXT gold around their waist. And now we have it. It's there. We have it. We finally have Street Profits holding gold. I am happy. I am truly, truly happy that the Street Profits are the current reigning and defending tag team champions. Now, there are reports stating that Yes, we and we, yes, we have seen the Street Profits on Monday Night Raw. And yes, there have been reports that have said that the Street Profits would not make their way up to the main roster. They are just having them that for some reason the report has stated that they are just there to help advertise for NXT, which I do not believe for a fucking second. That's not to say they're the street new street profits are gonna become the new crime time. Because we all know how that panned out with JTG and Shad Gaspard. Or for you OVW marks out there, the neighborhoodie and Shad Gaspard. If you don't know that, if you don't know what the, if you don't know that gimmick, trust me, look up OVW back in the day. Yes, it's a real thing, and I laughed my ass off when I heard it. The question is. Do you take the titles off the Street Profits so soon and give it to Kyle Riley and Bobby Fish? This is what this is like. This is that one match where I I would hate to choose the Street Profits to lose and get and 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 actually have the Undisputed Era win the championships because a lot of people would probably bitch on Twitter and say it's too soon for them to lose the belts after they just won the championships. I get that. I get that wholeheartedly. I really do and I sympathize with it. The logical part of me says give the titles to the Undisputed Era. This storyline has been building since the beginning of the year. Adam Cole proclaimed we will rule NXT. We will have all the power. If I'm booking this, if if I'm booking NXT and I have, and I give them all the gold. I only have a time. I have a timeline. I have a, I have a good timeline of when all of this could break down. I'm not going to tell you when, 
but I have to do a, a solid timeline as to when I would have all four members drop the championships. And it pains me to say this, but I I am picking the Undisputed Era to become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. Now, that would make them, if I'm not mistaken, the only three-time NXT Tag Team Champions in the history of the brand. Period. But the sto- th- this storyline is too good to pass up. And I know you're probably thinking, oh, here we go. He's going to pick Adam Cole to win the champ- NXT Championship and retain and all this shit. But like I said, there's a reason behind why they may be doing this. I think this will be the Street Profits' best match going forward. I don't, I don't, I would hate if they had the Street Profits go up to the main roster and make them look like Booba the Fool. Book them poorly and just have them look like straight garbage. I would hate for that to happen to them. I really wouldn't want to see that happen to them. Them going up to the main roster. I would hate for it to I would hate for that to actually go down the way the way it would go down. I really do mean that. I think right now the hot hand is with the Undisputed Era. I think this this I think it's been it's been some time because there's nothing like a stable holding gold. I've booked in my head many times of certain stables winning all the gold. I've actually in my head had booked you know, the clubs who hold all the gold if they had Finn Balor on their roster. Styles or Balor being world champion, Styles or Balor being the mid-card champion, and then the team of Gallows and Anderson holding tag team gold. I would love that. And we haven't 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 had really had stable dominance on NXT in the history of the in the brand, if my memory serves me right. We haven't really seen that. We've never seen a stable Hold all the gold. Which leads me to the main event. Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano in a three stages of hell match for the NXT Championship. The three stages of hell match is one of my favorite matches and one of my favorite stipulations in all of WWE. Because you could really be very and get very creative with it. You can get very creative with this. Now, the way they chose their stipulations made sense. Johnny Gargano on NXT chose a street fight. It's something he's gotten very comfortable with. I mean, when you have a feud with Champa for almost two years, and you've had an unsanctioned match, a last man standing match, a street fight, and at every single time you knocked it out of the park, you get very used to it. You get very at home with it. You be, it becomes part of you. It it, cha- it not only changes you as a character, but you can get very creative with it. It made sense for Gargano to choose a street fight because he's done it so much. He's he's, he's gotten to that point. He's been to that place. Adam Cole chose a one, a straight up one on one singles match. Why? It's the same match that he beat Johnny Gargano in at Takeover Twenty Five to become NXT champion in the first place. So he says he didn't, it basically says, I don't need a stipulation to beat you. I know I can beat you one-on-one without using weapons whatsoever. I don't need to do that. 
It's typical that you would choose a street fight, Johnny. So it made sense for Cole to choose a singles match. A straight up, a straight up pure wrestling match. Each man picking to their strengths. The wild card is the third fall. Because we already know it's going to go 1-1. Easily. 1-1. The wild card is what William Regal is going to choose for the third fall. It could be anything. Anything at all. I don't e- I won't even begin to fathom what William Regal is going what they have William Regal choose as the third fall. I don't I couldn't even think about it. You could go so many you can literally go so many ways with this. I'm not even going to try to find the news rumors or anything that will make me believe there's a certain match going to go down as the third fall. But in the end, and y'all know it's coming, Adam Cole will retain the NXT Championship. Right now, right now, it's his time. It's Adam Cole's time to become NXT Champion. To have a dominant championship reign. And at the end of the night, Undisputed Era will hold all the gold. I think it's 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 a it's a storyline that deserves to happen. The Undisputed Era has been one of the biggest groups in the company for the better part of a year now. Even going back to when Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly made their debuts in NXT when they attacked Drew McIntyre. It was inevitable that they were gonna all win gold. It was inevitable. And I think dominance of a stable actually can lead to some intriguing storylines. And and of course, the big moment where all four men lose their titles is always the biggest moment of them all. That big payoff is what makes it, is what's going to make that storyline be bigger than we all expected. I think it's going to happen. I think they have all the gold. I think it's time for some stable dominance. We've already got it with Imperium over in NXT UK. Minus the fact that, you know, Imperium haven't had Tag Team Gold yet. But stable dominance is actually a good thing sometimes if you know how to book it correctly. Especially if you hate Undisputed Era. If you really hate the Undisputed Era, you'll definitely would love the day you see Cole... O'Reilly, Fish, and Strong lose the belts. Y'all know I love the Undisputed Era. I love them. I love the stable. I love everything they represent. I love how they get down in the ring. It works. It works. So why not have some stable dominance for a while? Let them get under the skin of William Regal. It's going to be interesting to see how this works. I can't wait to see what they do on Saturday night. Because 99 times of 100, I'm usually wrong on most of the card anyway. But I'm going to be curious to see what they do on Saturday night. It's a big, big night. This is their WrestleMania. And you know, 
NXT TakeOvers always put their best foot forward, no matter what. Whether it's just TakeOver Chicago, TakeOver New York, TakeOver 25, TakeOver Houston, TakeOver on WrestleMania weekend. They always put their best foot forward, and they always have the best show of the weekend. Always the better show. Without question. They always put on a fantastic show. They always kill it. And there's never been a complaint of mine in the last three years. And I'm sure that they will knock it out of the park one more time. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your NXT TakeOver Toronto preview and predictions. We're going to take a short break and then we're going to close out the show the way we know how and get you prepared for episode 94 of the Young Lions Perspective. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 93 of the Young Lions Perspective. Your summer scam weekend review and predictions. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly, truly appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share it across all your social media, your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Bumble your Tumblr, your LinkedIn profile, and your Tinder, whatever you got, and let the people know, especially on the road to the greatest day of professional wrestling in 2019, August 31st, that the Young Lions Perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast, and that we are here to stay. Now, if you enjoyed this episode and wanted to listen to this episode again or any of the other 92 episodes of the Young Lions Perspective, including four episodes of The Secret Files, and four episodes of the Outside of the Ropes podcast, including my interview with Instagod's author, Sonny Arvado. But you don't have to have the anchor app. Relax, take a breath, calm down. I got you. I swear I got you. You can find this podcast across several different platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions Perspective across any of those platforms and you should have no problem finding the podcast whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with this Young Lions Perspective podcast, including breaking news, when I'm going to be live tweeting, all that good shit, me making fun of WWE or whatever, you can follow me on Twitter at Suede Senator WWI. That's S-U-E-D-E-S-E-N. A-T-O-R, capital W, capital W, capital I. I live tweet for SmackDown Live because Raw is, y'all know it's trash. NXT, NXT UK, AEW, every WWE live pay-per-view. And if I have nothing else better to do at 5.30 in the morning and New Japan is on with a big show, y'all know I will be live tweeting for that as well. If you want to follow me on Instagram, the mothership of all that is YLP Podcast. And I'll be doing, I'll be putting up a post in just a little bit about Roman Reigns possibly not wrestling at SummerSlam. And I'm going to laugh my ass off while posting that. You can follow me at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective. Stay up to date with everything that's going on by following me on both of those platforms all day, every day, twice on Sunday. Y'all know how it gets down. So episode 94 will be coming to you tomorrow. Y'all know NXT Go Home Show Review. It's going to be dope. I cannot wait to see what's going down tonight. We're getting Matt Riddle 
Killian Dane in the main event. It's going to be lit. I don't even know what else is going down tonight. And I really don't care because NXT is just that damn good. So until tomorrow, guys, enjoy the rest of your night. Enjoy NXT. And we'll talk tomorrow for episode 94 of the Young Lions Perspective. See you.